Welcome to On The Map, the podcast at the intersection of real estate development and technology. Today's episode is brought to you by Planned Grocery. Did you know that there are over 550 grocery stores planned across the United States? Check out plannedgrocery.com to learn more. Now for today's episode. Hey everybody, I'm excited to have Mark Thompson, founder of GrocerySanchor.com on the podcast today. After a 10-year career in brokerage, where Mark and his team sold predominantly grocery anchored shopping centers, they have embarked in the creation of GrocerySanchor.com, a website set to launch shortly, built for the grocery anchored industry. Uh, welcome, Mark. So what is GrocerySanchor.com? Well, thanks, David. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate being here in before I answer that question, I just want to tell you how much we've enjoyed playing grocery and what you guys have built over there. It's been a service that we've been now members of, I think, for two years now. And we derive value of it from literally the day we, we, uh, we took membership of it. So thanks for your efforts oh, on that. Great, so, great. Well, thanks. Yeah, certainly. Gro- com. Think of uh, com as, well, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. If you're going to sell your car today, uh, probably the first place you go is cars.com or auto trader and you get a feel in a sense for uh, how many similar cars were out there on the market with similar mileage, uh, year built, make and model and that right. sort of thing. And think of grocery.com as kind of like the cars.com for grocery stores. Um, okay. We have basically three pillars to grocery.com. One is an on market pillar where uh, brokers can go online and list their deals on the site. And then we have a uh, kind of a second pillar is, uh, deals that have transacted. So uh, similar to cars.com, you can go see what's, what, is, what has been listed for sale in terms of cars, but you can't see where the deal is actually transacted. Right. We offer that pillar uh, for grocery shopping centers throughout the country. And then we have a news feed on top of that where we amalgamate, I don't know, hundreds of news uh, articles a week that we uh, pour through to basically pick off uh, deals that are relevant to the grocery industry. I think you probably know this, that Right. And if you look up Publix, you're going to find a bunch of uh, BOGOs and, you know, Vons and that sort of thing. It needs two for one. You've got to sort through all that and get to the meat of what we're looking for in our space is, is grocery related uh, industry knowledge and, and information technology and innovation. So okay. those three pillars make up grocerynchor.com, the news feed, an on-market platform where uh, brokers can list their deals and buyers can kind of see everything that's on the market in one place. And then the comps uh, kind of pillar that, that lets people know, hey, look, here's where deals are trading on a cap rate basis and, and where the market is. So in oh, a nutshell, cool. that's, that's kind of what it is, David. Okay, okay. And so who is your, your primary audience? Yeah, so I think our audience, our, our, our kind of three main stakeholders are brokers who want to get maximum visibility uh, for their particular grocery or shopping so that for sale. Certainly sellers. I think that sellers can get a feel for uh, where the market is in mm-hmm. terms of the cap rate and trying to understand, you know, a disposition pricing point for their asset. And then buyers, certainly, if you've ever tried to keep up the amount of deals that are on the market from a buyer's perspective, that is a full-time job. I mean, it's a 60-hour mm-hmm. week job when there's so many deals flying around. And I'm not just talking about grocery deals, I'm talking just retail deals in general. It's virtually impossible to keep them all organized. So, Right. I think those are our three main stakeholders, and I think that there's some kind of ancillary stakeholders as well. Lenders will be looking at our site to surmise, you know, valuations, certainly appraisers, 
think third-party leasing companies are going to understand if a deal is on the market, if they can make a bid to possibly lease that deal okay. uh, should a new buyer come into the equation. And I think there's a couple other stakeholders, but those are the three big ones. I think sellers, buyers, and brokers. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, so ideally when this, when, when your site is up and running, will you be able to yeah. log into a map and, and see, you know, like maybe like a map of all the grocery anchored centers for sale, like at, like at one time? Yeah, I think that'll probably be uh, version 2.0. Okay. Uh, we haven't worked on, on the map to the extent that we've really worked on a platform to where uh, we've really worked on our querying, so okay. to speak. So I think when you look at these sites, whether it be like a cars.com or anything of that nature, how you're able to query and drill down, or let's say you're a buyer and you're looking for a specific banner or you're looking for certain demographics, maybe within a three mile radius of population and or household income. You may be looking for a cap rates. We've really spent a lot of time drilling down on our, our query. So okay, gotcha. you can really get an exactitude of, of what you want and where, where deals are on the market. Okay, very cool. So, so why did you create groceryanchor.com was there a personal experience of some kind that showed you the need for it yeah so um it's kind of an interesting question so i spent the last 10 years as a broker and uh, brokering grocery deal, uh, grocery uh, i almost said grocery deals but grocery anchor deals mm -hmm. uh predominantly throughout the southeast with a with a team of, of, of folks on on our side and it's a lot of work to do it and it's a mm -hmm. lot of fun we had a lot of great clients we got to work with I think that we looked at a, a scenario that we said, man, it'd be great to have this kind of sliver of the industry. And, and really, I think you probably agree, gro grocery anchor shopping centers are really the center of the eco retail system mm -hmm. as it relates to uh, strip centers and, and malls and power centers and, and uh, you know, singleton and net lease. By and large, one in seven people are going to go to a grocery store today. Mm -hmm. And uh, it'll be like that for, I think, a, a long time. So, we were carving a niche in this space and I thought, man, it would be great to have a site that was dedicated to this particular space. And so uh, the old firm I was at allowed me to kind of build version 1.0 of groceryringer.com and we listed our deals uh, on the site. Right. And as fate would have it, we actually uh, received several inbound uh, requests from brokers really throughout the country mm -hmm. to list their deals on our site. And okay. I, I was, I was completely surprised by that. It, it, it took me off guard, but uh, they looked at the platform and said, man, we'd love to list on the site. And I, you know, our philosophy is always to kind of hide behind the truth. It's rare that you would get a competitor. who would want to list on your pl platform. Right. Uh, but we got that quite frequently. And so I thought, well, man, it'd be great to have this platform where, other people could use it. I think right. it'd be to the benefit of everybody involved, but it's really difficult to um, to sell another broker, for lack of a better term, to list on your platform when you'll be able to see all the all the back end optics of, of who's looking at that particular deal. So we kind of made the leap to say, what if we got out of brokerage? And you know, oftentimes there's tech tech folks moving into the real estate business. But rarely are the real estate people moving into the tech side. Right, exactly. And so we said, well, look, who knows more about what brokers want on a website than, than brokers themselves? And so that's what we did. And the first thing we did is we went out to talk to you know, several brokers, took our kind of our broker jersey off and, and said, what do you want to build? What would be an ideal space to mm -hmm. put your listings? And we found this void 
uh, from so many brokers out there and quite frankly, buyers and sellers. And we felt like grocerynger.com would fill that void. And, and so we did kind of a initial prog prognostication of the market to see that was positive. And so that led us to move forward with building kind of 2.0 and a, and, a, and a more souped up version of what we had from 1.0. So that's a okay. long-winded answer to yeah. a very, very good question, David, but hopefully that, that gives you the best answer I have. No, that's great. That's great. So do you know um, when, when 2.0 is, is uh, planned on, on coming out? Do you have any kind of timeline? Yeah, we do. We've, we've, uh, it, it seems like we want to always add a little bit. Uh, and I think people in tech world call that uh, vision creep. Mm -hmm. I think that's the term for it. Right. Scope creep. But when we initially began to launch it, we thought we were just going to have a platform where people could list deals on the site and that would be it. But then we decided to add the second pillar of comps and then the third pillar of a newsfeed. Okay. So right now we're in the process of, of refining the actual deal page in which uh, brokers will be able to list their deal and it'll be showcased to buyers. I think we're probably four to six weeks out and we'll gotcha. launch 2.0 and, and uh, we'll take it to market and people can sign up and be a part of a uh, part of this new community. Great. Great. Now, once 2.0 comes out um, after that, do you have mm -hmm. any plans for new features or a mobile app or something like that? Is there, is there some kind of, um, I guess, kind of product roadmap that you're working on? Yeah, I th we certainly do. I think at, a mobile app would be a lot of fun to have. And certainly that's in the, that's in the plans. I don't think that'll be 2018. That'll be more of a 2019, but, Mm -hmm. We've already got, I think, 4.0 in our minds uh, right. and, and where we want to go. I, I'm hesitant, on to, hesitant to, to, to kind of preview that because I want to make sure that 1.0 and 2, or rather 2.0 works and we get the feedback yep. uh, from, our, from our clients on that. Really, the clients will dictate the direction we go, but I certainly have a vision for where we want to go, and I think it'll be a quite, uh, quite a unique platform where people can get a, a tremendous amount of optics uh, into the market and really benefit from I think a platform of this nature. Great. Great. Okay. So, so what are you seeing out there that's interesting on the grocery or real estate space um, regarding technology? Well, I, I think one thing is from, from a technological standpoint, the way people are shopping is completely different. You know, if this were a year or two ago, I think the big phrase was uh, delivery and people were, were getting delivery and now they're, they're basically trying to, you know, retailers are figuring out how can we make it as easy as possible for someone to get delivery, mm -hmm. to get pickup, to basically service their, call it 21 meals a week in the easiest possible way we can. So yep. the technology for these sorts of things, we've seen Walmart come out with patents on, uh, on, on 3D and picking out fruits and vegetables and you know, AI and these sorts of things. We're going to see a lot of stuff that I think comes out that's, that's pretty cutting edge. And there's going to be some, some stub toes, no doubt. But I, the one thing about the grocery industry is that I think they benefit so much from uh, the feedback loop, right? Mm -hmm. So we said that, you know, one in seven people are going to walk into a grocery store today. You know, I think Dick's Sporting Goods is a great retailer. And they're probably one of my favorite retailers. I walk into Dick's Sporting Goods maybe four times a year. I don't have mm -hmm. kids. So, you know, if I had kids, maybe five or six times a year, but right. maybe four. So they get four chances at me, uh, David, to basically figure out who I am as a consumer and how they need to change their store mm -hmm. in order to best suit me. 
grocery anchor industry is totally different. Uh, they're going to get one to two chances at me a week right. to figure out, okay, how can we make an adjustment? So Publix or Southeastern Grocers or Kroger or Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, these guys will get, you know, more looks at a customer in a month than Dick's Sporting Goods will get in a year. Mm-hmm. And so they can make and adjust technological changes and make changes that, quite frankly, other retailers simply cannot make by that feedback loop mathematics. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, your question was about specifically about technology, but what I, I think what's interesting about the grocery space is that you're starting to see Whole Foods, I mean, this is kind of old news, but Whole Foods uh, has bars in their grocery stores. You can go get, you know, mm-hmm. a crack of beer or, or, or a bottle of wine or a glass of wine in a bar in Whole Foods, and you're starting to see them create a place for people to go and be a part of Lucky's. There's an article I read, gosh, I think it was probably two months ago, 25% of their GLA is dedicated towards non-sellable items, meaning that 25% of their GLA, 25% is geared towards creating a place for people to be. Why? And if right. you look around society, we're, we're as connected in one way as we've ever been, and technolo- technology's done a great job of that, but we're also almost as lonely as we've ever been. Right. And I think people are really looking for a connection now. And I think that grocery is going to be in the right place at the right time to really aid that, that personal connection. And I think, quite frankly, a lot of our millennials and young folks have really lost out on mm-hmm. So, kind of a, 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 and it, you know, didn't necessarily touch on the technology side of things, but I think grocery stores will use technology to enhance that placemaking that, yep. that uh, creates, you know, a better customer response for grocers throughout the mm-hmm. country, I think. Yeah, we have a new Lowe's Foods down the street from our office here in Columbia, and um, mm-hmm. it has a, a bar and, and just a lot of interesting stations around there. And, and when you go there at night, it just it feels like, it almost doesn't feel like a grocery store. I mean, it, there's kind of right. like a fun atmosphere there, um, especially on Thursday nights with when the drinks are half price. Um, and they got somebody kind of playing music and singing. It's just, it's just really different. Um, so, so there's, how, a, there's an Albertsons in, in, uh, an Albertsons that just got, that went vertical and they have 200 seats, uh, in an upstairs area right. where you can, uh, they have res- rooms you can reserve for meeting spaces. I yeah. Mean, and yeah. you talk about the stations, almost every new grocery store now has a sushi station, mm-hmm. and, you know, various stations you walk into. It's almost, you know, look, at. I'm a kid that was born in the seventies, but it's almost like walking into the food courts of the malls and you've got all these stations on the outside corners and then your, your center store is there and you shop the center store. Right. And there's a significant amount of, of, of space that's dedicated towards prepared foods mm-hmm. and uh, what I call the just add heat generation. You know, it used to be that when you wanted to cook, you'd do something other than just add heat. You'd have a whole bunch of things you need to do. Now it's a just add heat scenario. So, you're yep. right. I mean, the last time, if, if you were a kid and you said, look, we're going to go to a Thursday night evening at the grocery store, you get laughed out of the room. But right. now that's becoming a real relevant, uh, relevant thing to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you think, thinking about kind of the future of, of grocery and technology, you know, how do you think grocery retailing will change over the next five to 10 years? Well, I know it won't be the same. That I can tell you, and uh, it's crazy. I think it was five years ago, uh, I was asked to give a, a presentation at public headquarters, mm-hmm. and one of the comments I made, and it's somewhere on YouTube, and, and uh, the, I was reading a book at the time, 
by a, a gentleman by the last name of Marshall. Um, actually, it's, I think it's Marshall Goldsmith, but it's "What Got You Here Will Not Get You There." Mm-hmm. It's a great book. You should look at look look for it. But I was in the middle of reading that, and here's what I know: consumer taste, cons- the way consumers buy, changes about every five years. You know, when I went into college, uh, we didn't have the internet. When I left, uh, we were turning in papers on the mm-hmm. web. You know, when Bill Clinton took office. Uh, you would mail letters. When he left, email was the main main way people communicated. So right. people, the, the rate of change is about every four to five years now. And so the way people are going to consume is going to change four or five years, uh, every four or five years. And, and this may be a cop-out answer, but I can tell you that, again, going back to that feed, feedback loop, I think grocers will be there uh, to make themselves consistently relevant because they can make adjustments so quickly, David, mm-hmm. to their consumers. Yeah. I think what you'll see is you'll see uh, continued more prepared foods. I think one thing you'll potentially see is, and this is a this is always a debate amongst you know clients of mine, and certainly certainly sure clients of yours. Does the shop space move into the box, so mm-hmm. to speak? Mm-hmm. Right. So you're talking about sushi restaurants. You're talking about Sandwich, uh, sandwich restaurants, typically in the shop space component of a grocery anchored shopping center. Now you're talking about sushi stations. You're talking about wine tasting stations. You're going to go inside the grocery store. There's, I think there's going to be cooking stations. You go to, you go to a Publix uh, on a Saturday night in Orlando. They've got a cooking school in the back. Right. There's 60 people in that cooking school. Wow. You know, that's 60 people walking into Publix at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. And really, that's a grocery store. Right. To go to a cooking school and take a date night at Publix. I mean, if I would have told you 10 years ago that Publix would be a cool place to take a date on a Saturday night, <laughs> uh, you would have looked at me kind of oddly. So right, you know, I, yeah. anticipate, I anticipate, you know, whatever that is five years from now, whatever I would look at you and say, man, that's, you look back and say, Mark, that sounds really odd. I think that's going to be a reality five mm-hmm. years from now. Right. And so, yep. you know, well, well, internet sales, uh, uh, change the way grocery is done. Absolutely. Will delivery change the way grocery is done? Absolutely. No question about it. And I think that grocers have, have led the way in the retail space to, to acclimate to the new systems that are out there and available mm-hmm. to their consumers and their customers. But I also think they're making adjustments to create a place for people to, to go and enjoy and enjoy one another, but also enjoy a shopping experience. So yeah, yeah. that may be a cop out to your question five to 10 years from now. Look, my crystal balls look 18 minutes in front of me now. Yeah. No, uh, that's... But that's the, that's the best bad answer I can give you on a, uh, where are we going to be 10 years from now sort of question. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to tell. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, I think that's a great answer. We, you know, my family, we, we tried delivery. We did delivery for about six months, I guess. And, I mean, it's a great service. It, it right now it is a little bit more expensive. It is kind of a premium option. It seems like, um, but and now we're kind of back to delivering occasionally, but you know, still going to the grocery store more than we used to. So I think, I think things will kind of you know uh, be in flux, you know, over the next five to ten years. Um, I have found I that. We'll, yeah, go ahead. I think we'll see a European model. In mm-hmm. some respects, too, where people are going to the grocery store more often for smaller, smaller yeah. basket sizes. Mm-hmm. I think and that so comes too. To, with prepared foods, I think. Yeah. I think you know, someone was asking me the other day on on more of a social and political uh, position. You know, 
what do we do today that people will find offensive 10 years from now, right? Because I was mm-hmm. talking about, hey, look, you know, some of these things that, that how, how much has changed since I was a kid, uh, certain things that just are, are not acceptable anymore. And I was thinking about that too, in terms of patterns and trends. I mean, you look at, uh, and I don't necessarily uh, relate to this, but you look at uh, vegetarians and veganism and, mm-hmm. and how people are eating. And they want more fruits, more vegetables. If yep. you look at dairy, dairy is down in terms of overall sales. Mm-hmm. I think there's a movement. Uh, there's a movement for more, more vegan, uh, vegan and vegetarian items in the, in the, in the shopping. So I, I think you'll see that. I think with that, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for more baskets, or rather, more trips to the grocery store at smaller basket sizes because people want fresh foods yep. and fresh yep. vegetables and, and fresh fruits. And so if there's more trips, that means there's more opportunities for those buys that maybe someone wouldn't necessarily think they were going to buy when they went to the grocery store. And those are also pretty high, high margin items. Mm-hmm. So you think about sales and you think about prepared fruits and vegetables and prepared, prepared fruits. When you talk about slicing fruits, watermelons, you know, pineapples, that sort of thing, yep. those are high margin items. So I think that if I were to canvas the retail world and say, and look, Clearly, I have a bias on this. So take this with a grain of salt. But mm-hmm. if I were to canvas the retail world and say which which retail sector is the most prepared for change, I, look, I'm open to be I'm open to having my mind changed. But I just can't see how anyone could would say anything other than the grocery store is the best right. prepared model to take on the change for the next five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as, as what you're seeing in, in Florida, you know, you're in Orlando. Um, what do you see happening there now in the real estate market? And, and where do you think are the best opportunities? Yeah, so what I think you're seeing in, in Orlando is, is similar to what we're seeing throughout the country. There's a proliferation of, of uh, unique and smaller brands uh, mm-hmm. that are coming into the space. I mean, uh, where I'm sitting right now. There's a Lucky's Market, which is a Kroger brand that's going vertical. There's a Sprout that's going vertical within, you know, literally five minutes of my office. There's a Publix that's already here. There's a, uh, a Walmart that's a little farther away. Right. But I think you're seeing those smaller banners come in, um, you know, similar to what you see on a daily basis with your great website and playing grocery. Aldi, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many articles I've read about a new Aldi opening up. I feel like there's one opening up every 17 oh. seconds. It's crazy. Um, yeah. It's nuts. But I, I think that's it. what they have done. And I know that you're not a stranger to this. I'm sure many of, our, of your listeners aren't either. They have totally changed their concept uh, where they're now out of refrigeration. They're now adding fruits and vegetables. I mean, they're changing their concept to really be competitive amongst some of the other grocery stores, which wouldn't be viewed as traditional competitors of theirs. So we see that in Florida as well. And, mm-hmm. You know, I think we're seeing that really throughout the country. Uh, that we're seeing more grocers come up, smaller footprint grocery stores, but more of them come up and certainly especially grocery stores are, are taking their bite of the apple. Right. Okay. And so what, what type of real estate deals do you think in general are keeping the market busy these days? Yeah, well, uh, I think when we looked at the grocery record space and, and we spent a ton of time doing this, I don't know if anyone's really ever said how many grocery anchor deals are on the market at one time throughout the mm-hmm. country. And so we really set out and embarked and it literally took us months to, to, to really kind of chop this down. But right now there's about 500 deals that mm-hmm. are on the market for sale. 
uh, that are grocery anchored throughout the country. And when I say grocery anchored, I mean, there's some that are box only, single tenant deals. I mean, you know, box plus shop, ground leases. And yep. then there's some that are just shadow deals. So we look at, look at grocery stores and then various derivatives of those. There's about 500 deals or so that are on the market. You think okay. about that. You say, well, okay, well, so how big are these deals? The average NOI on these deals is right under $900,000. dollars mm-hmm. about where it is. So if you take a look at the total NOI that's on the market today, total NOI, you're looking at about $450 million mm-hmm. of NOI. Okay. So about 130 deals north of a million dollars in NOI. If you take $450 million you impute about a six and a half cap to a seven cap on that. Mm-hmm. That's anywhere from call it 6.8 billion, 6.4 to 6.8 billion dollars of grocery deals mm-hmm. on the market wow. today wow. for sale. That's crazy. I think that when you yeah. put it in those terms, you know, there's almost about seven billion dollars of grocery deals out there to be had. Mm-hmm. That is what we're seeing. That's wow. what we're seeing. And I think one of the things that will make grocery anchor unique is that look, if, if all of those deals are 25 basis points off, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say we, you know, we impute a seven cap on it and really they traded the seven and a quarter, you know, that's $250 million of a, of a Delta there. Right. So I think that to kind of take it to shameless plug here, but take it back to grocerynger.com. Yeah. If we do our job, we will hopefully eliminate that dislocation, that kind of ambient relationship that brokers and sellers and buyers have with cap rates and really be able to drill down and say, look, here's where the cap rates are for this type of asset, mm-hmm. with this type of banner, with this type of term left on it. So buyers, sellers, and brokers can have kind of a, a goalposts that doesn't move on because we don't have a best interest of a deal sell, doesn't sell, it gets refinanced. We just want the, the facts to be out there. Right. And so if we do our job and get the facts out there, I think we can bridge that delta. And also we'll cut down the time it takes to sell deals. I think yes. people will be able to bridge gaps quicker because there'll be a goalpost available for everyone to take a look at. Right. So, so, you, so you have more of an apples to apples comparison where you can, you can look at deals, current deals and past deals to get an idea of kind of, kind of if this is a good deal for you or not. That's right. And I yeah. think that, you know, look, there's certainly where we are today is a big question, but where are we going, right? So mm-hmm. this indication of where we're going is, is the, la- the trailing six, six months of deal. And also a news feed on top of that to, to get kind of the trends that are on the market. So yep. I think that it'll really hopefully um, bridge the gap in the dislocation there and provide optics that we've never really had in this space yeah. ever before at this level. Mm-hmm. So when Very you cool. ask me what's, what's keeping us busy and what we're seeing out there. I don't really think people have any, I ask this question all the time to folks, you know, how many deals are on the market? And I'm asking, I'm not asking people that aren't in the space. I'm asking people who are in the space each and every day. Mm-hmm. I get answers anywhere from 40 to 900 deals. Right. I mean, I, I haven't had anyone <laughs> pin the tail on a donkey yet. And it's amazing to think that there's people out there, you know, throwing out, throwing around a billion dollars. And I mm-hmm. certainly was one of them. And really we didn't have a firm grip on, on really where the deal in the market was. Right. So that's kind of our objective in that regard. Interesting. Okay. So in creating this platform, you know, what, what lessons have you learned? You know, is there anything you would do differently if you had a chance to do it over again? Don't create a website. Right. Right. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's harder <laughs> than you think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can uh, believe that. 
you uh, you walk into uh, first of all you have everyone tells you they can do it and they right. can do it under budget and and deliver on time. Uh, and you walk into a room and uh, you're the only one that has a long pair of slacks on. Everyone's in t-shirts and jeans and, and uh, shorts. And yep. you're a, you're looking at a 22 year old chewing gum and saying, I, I got this. You know? Right. And, right. Uh, so it's a scary proposition and it's uh it's a lot of work. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really underestimated that. And so it's given me a whole new appreciation for well-run websites. So I would say that, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a had I to do over again, what would I do differently? But I certainly would have uh, not underestimated the difficulty of, of getting a website down. The other thing that's kind of crazy about this space, and again, I'm a broker who's moving to technology, not the other way around. Maybe you experienced this, David, maybe you didn't, but mm-hmm. you said you think you've, you're trying to get something done that's really complicated, and they look at you and go, oh, that's easy. I can do that. Right. Right. And they make a couple of clicks and it's done. Or you think you've got something, this is very basic. This is all I want to do. I want to move this box to there and mm-hmm. move this. And they look at you and say, that's going to take four months. Right. You know? So it's, it's like, yeah. your, it's like, it's like getting, it's like getting your car repaired every day with a mechanic. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And it's, it's just painful. Slave. Yep. Yeah. You're a total slave. <laughs> to, you know, they come back from underneath the car and say, well, this, this, this uh, needs to be replaced. He goes, that good or bad? And you right. know, you're sitting there going, well, geez, I don't know. So <laughs> that's what I've learned. Uh, and we've also built this uh, platform, uh, grocerygroup.com, to, to be usable uh, for other product types as well. So we'll have, um, I know we have quite a few clients from the strip center business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've, we've basically built it to where, uh, real estate term warning here, it's fungible uh, for other product types as well. Yeah. So, okay. you know, we'll Very see cool. where that takes us. Okay, great, great. Well, I've got one final question for you. Um, just any, any thoughts on how grocery anchored real estate developers uh, could benefit from your platform? Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. So the number one question I get uh, from developers, and I get this a lot, is, all right, I'm building this banner. Mm-hmm. What are the cap rates for this banner right now? Okay. You know, with, with whatever the full term is, the lease is typically negotiated, whether it be 10 years, 15 or 20. What are my cap rates right now? The other thing that I think a lot of people don't consider is it, it's one thing we talk a lot about, spend a lot of time talking about interest rates and their mm-hmm. impact on values, but we, we don't talk a lot about supply and demand. And so I always tell people this, you know, if you've got a, a, a Vons grocery store in California on the market, mm-hmm. that Vons has to be the best deal for at least one person out there for at least one day out of the 365 days a year. Right. And right. if you're the third, if you're the third best bonds on the market and the other two sell the number one and two bonds sell and you're the third best value. Mm-hmm. And then those one and two deals get backfilled by two or three or four other deals. Now you become the fifth best bonds value on the market. Mm-hmm. You never sell. You right. simply never sell. And you've got a really uh, frustrated client. So developers are, are starting to ask me what inventories are. Mm-hmm. more so now to get a feel for velocity and how quickly these banners transact. Because if all of a yeah. sudden there's 50 Vons on the market, whereas last month there were three, you're in a totally different market mm-hmm. than you were last week. Uh, and we see that too from a, from a seller profile as well. We track seller profiles. So right. take, for example, if the REITs decide to sell and we get into a sell-off, 
not only are the REITs putting a ton of deals on the market that are, you know, similar in nature, mm-hmm. but they're also stepping away from the buy button. So right. now you've got one less buying sector in the space and you've got a tremendous amount of inventory in the space. Well, what does that mean? It means that now kind of your, your middle tier regional guys now all of a sudden are seeing a ton more deal activity across yep. their desk and brokers have one less buyer out there. So the impact of that is pretty significant. So from a developer's perspective, knowing where we are in the cycle, where the REITs are in the cycle, because if you take your deal out and all of a sudden it's a REIT sell-off, now mm-hmm. you're in a crowd of deals. Mm-hmm. And you may have you may have penciled in a six and a half cap, a six and a quarter cap, but now all of a sudden you're not one of 10 deals selling that have your banner. You're one of 20 deals selling that have your banner. Right. And that decompresses your cap rate. So knowing those optics, when you mm-hmm. talk about 25, 50 basis points, you're talking about a million, millions of dollars of a swing there and being able to time that out to manage expectations and to manage it. Maybe it's a, maybe you got to hold that deal for a year or two. Maybe you yeah. need to look at your pipeline and figure out, Hey, look, we're going to have to hold this deal because we penciled in this cap rate on the dispo once we're completely vertical and CO'd and we're not going to be able to hit that, hit that mark. Conversely, uh, maybe you've penciled in a number and it's much more aggressive in the market than it was when you thought it, you know, when you're going vertical in the deal. So mm-hmm. it can be both good and bad, but I think for really twofold for developers, knowing what cap rates are today, mm-hmm. knowing where they're going, and then knowing where we are in the sales cycle, yep. where we are in that cycle and who the sellers are. Because if, if we've got a whole sector, and I use the REITs as an example, is selling, that mm-hmm. means they are not buying. They're not buying. And so that's one less kind of sector in the buying pool. And that may adjust, you know, how you do, how you go about disposing of the deal. Mm -hmm. You may change brokerage strategies as a result of that. Interesting. So all of these things are are to be taken into account. We talk to a ton of developers all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think the service will be right down the, right in the wheelhouse for those folks. Similar to how, you know, playing grocery is for those guys as well. Awesome. Well, great. Great. Well, thanks. Um, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And, and we're really looking forward to when uh, grocerranker.com uh, goes live and uh, hope that you'll uh, let me know whenever you go live and, and we can kind of let everybody know uh, when that happens. David, thanks so much for having me. Uh, we're huge fans of you guys. And if anyone has any questions, they can feel free to shoot me an email. My email is really simple. It's mt at groceryanchor.com, Mark Thompson, MTA, groceryanchor.com. Feel free to shoot me an email. I'm happy to answer any questions you have. And go on there, check out the news feed. The news feed is up. And then once the site is fully operational, we'll certainly come back and let you and and, and your your podcast listeners know. Thanks so much, David. Really appreciate it. All right, great. Thank you very much.